most challenging job that I've been on in my 15-year career. That was a seven-year project, the reconstruction and expansion of an airport terminal. I had the honor to run that critical path that was partially on night shift. The terminal had to remain active. And so being able to make sure you had the same focuses as those who were in operations was essential. It's just making sure that that communication was upheld was the most challenging part. There's a level of learning and relationship building that needs to happen. to Make sure you understand the perspectives and needs of all the operation components. That's alongside the passenger safety. The crux of this project was intense phasing and sequencing around load transfer between structure that caused us to replace vertical transportation and reinforce the building while building new structure above it. And so water infiltration right on top of passenger pathways, ensuring that we were phasing uh, on a lot of night shifts to ensure the safety and protection of people. And then, of course, making sure that the airlines remained active and without compromise, but also making sure that we are getting airline and airport buy-off from security measures all the way through train operations. I used a number of different tactics. Some of it was colored phasing diagrams, especially between crews, so that they knew where we were working and what the goal was at the end of the shift to hand it off. Um, the second was 4D scheduling. And so we had a, a rather complex 3D model for the project. And the ability to tie it to my schedule was so useful in bringing together a level of understanding from ownership, the airlines who don't understand construction and how things are going to come together and change all the way through bringing somebody on board in their purchasing meeting and showing them exactly what to expect with the 12 mobilization. Was that using SIPs or what you guys consider a short interval planning scheduling system no. or just straight off the shelf synchro with a CPM? For that project, we use synchro with a CPM. Um, on my current project, I'm actually translating everything into SketchUp for visualization. Um, which has been awesome for site utilization plans. I'm in the middle of a um, university campus now, making sure everybody understands from our, our neighborhood's perspective what's going to be going on on the project. Right now I have a 250-foot a luffing jib uh, sit crane assembly in my model to show how we're going to erect our tower crane in April. Nice. All right. Well, and before you, well, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you for one second because I forgot to tell you. This won't be you the know, last People at HP. I don't know if you remember Morgan May from SoCal at Kaiser. He sits right next to me when he's next to me. And so he says, hello. Oh my God. Is Morgan in there right now? He's, he's in another room in a, in a meeting. Okay. Well, yeah, when he comes out, definitely I need to say hi to him. Yeah. He can make a guest appearance, but just over your background, he just can't, he can't touch your computer. No, I have fond memories of Morgan. What a small world. Okay. That was worth the interruption and interrupt anytime. Wow. Incredible story. I love that story. Yeah. Welcome to the EBFC show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by Bosch Refine My Site is a cloud-based construction collaboration platform that applies lean principles to enable your entire team to plan, communicate, and execute in real time. It's the digital tool that works in tandem with your last planner system process and puts it all together in one simple collaborative ecosystem. This easy-to-use platform is available in English, German, Spanish, Portuguese, and French and can be used on desktops, tablets, and mobile devices.
According to Spencer Easton, scheduling manager at Oakland Construction, Refine My Sight, in my opinion, is the best, leanest tool on the market for the last planet. Here's what our users have to say. We've looked at three other digital scheduling platforms and none compare to the straightforward approach Refine My Sight takes. From milestone planning all the way down to daily tasks, this program gives every general contractor and their trade partners meaningful collaboration, accountability, and KPIs. Register today to try Refine My Site for free for 60 days. Today's show is also sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry in transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Check the show notes for more information. Now, to the show. Welcome to the show, Cabri, Lerman, Schmidt. It is my honor to have you on the show. We've we've missed, we've been passing ships on conference speaking gigs and just never been able to connect. So this is the first time, super excited. And for the listeners, I spent the good part of the whole beginning of the show uh, learning how to pronounce Cambry's name correctly. And so I appreciate that. And I'm happy to share that because learning is part of everything we do. And I want to dive right in. Cambry, I'm going to have you tell the good people of the EBFC show a little bit about yourself. But ladies and gentlemen, in the show notes, you'll click on the description below to get Cambry's full er description and all the links to contact her because you're going to want to know more and dive in. So I highly recommend reach out and connect with her, especially on LinkedIn, where she's always sharing beautiful things about psychological safety and a lot of the topics we're going to cover today. Without further ado, Gabriel, and people, don't forget to hit the like button. And if you're watching this on YouTube, hit subscribe. It shows me and Gabriel that you appreciate this type of content. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me here. We have been missing each other and, but, you know, following your content is exciting because there's many different languages that are pointing towards the same focuses that our industry are looking towards in terms of how we're looking to treat each other, cultural changes we're looking to make. Um, and it's super exciting. I like to talk about the topics that I do from my perspective, which is that's field management. I'm a project superintendent for Hempel Phelps Construction. We're a nationwide building services and general contractor. Um, I've worked for the company for almost 17 years now, going from the D.C. area over to the Bay Area and now up in Seattle for the last eight years. And that's been primarily on large aviation and higher education projects. So right now, my current project at the University of Washington is a $102 million engineering building. Um, I've had the great opportunity to spend two years in pre-con on this because one of my goals was to be a superintendent also on the pre-con side so that I could roll right in and make sure we're representing continuity through all the phases of the project. And for people listening, you should be really jealous because that is something that everybody gets to do on the job. Now, if anything is amiss, Cabri has nothing but to look in the mirror and point the finger right back at herself, which I think is priceless for everybody on your team. <laughs> Indeed. It also makes me say design intent a lot. It did design design intent can be like a dirty word on projects, especially in the early years. And I imagine it's a multi-year job. So there's going to be a lot of that happening. So a topic that put you on my radar, we have so many mutual friends, too many people to name, but we, I will at least name Adam Hoots for he's got nothing but respect for you 
Cabri. But one of the things that we were going to talk about, or I was going to try to go watch you present at this last conference where we missed each other, was this whole topic of psychological safety. So I want to know from you on your job, you've talked about this, you've thought about this, you're seen as an industry thought leader on this topic. How do you create an environment where we have psychological safety, openness, and honesty? The opportunity that I have on my projects, right? I have the privilege of being in power as the general contractor. I have the opportunity to build a culture that that's higher expectations. And I get to choose the level of communication with that power, the ability to invite people to the project and from the start, engage people in a different level of conversation, expect people to have conversations with each other across trades. Um, that's what leads to one, achieving the industry's performance metric of production and safety um, but it also drives that innovation that we're always seeking. Because when people feel comfortable with each other, that's when we're really able to get down to either root causes or the ability to engage on new opportunities or new tactics that support their individual trading through goals, but adds to the goals that we're now communicating at a higher level um, with each of them. We're not just giving them the information we think that trade. We're saying we're all in this together. Let's make sure we're sharing at a level that it allows you to achieve what you want to, while at the same time making the project better for everybody that's here. Psychological safety is the idea that people don't feel fear in sharing what it is that they have to say. They don't have fear in sharing concerns or mistakes that they make. There's a lot of thought that has to go into how that environment is created, but it's not a siloed effort. People think psychological safety or inclusion initiative kind of, they stand over here because they're new to the industry. But my challenge maybe to everybody listening is that every single technical responsibility that we have is an opportunity to build a relationship that drives forward that connection on the team and that allows people to feel they can speak when they have something to say. Oh, I absolutely love that. And people, if you're, you're listening to this, this worth rewinding, watching that one more time. But Cabri is, is laying down some tracks. You're creating this good contrast. Uh, I, I heard this yesterday in a conversation. Somebody was saying like construction is so transactional. People are just want to come do something and be gone. And there's no time for creating that relationship. And everything you just described is very relational and seeing like, we're going to be on these jobs for years for years and years and years and for people to be able to open up and share across different trades and talk to each other. And for you as a leader on the general contractor to set that tone right from the beginning, I think is critical and it's special and unique. And the research shows for, if you've never heard the term psychological safety, the research is in, that's one of the factors that creates high performing teams. So if you want to have a good time on your job, like Gabri and her team, you got to create the conditions so that people can speak up and feel comfortable. The statistics that you're referencing in 2012, uh, Google had a groundbreaking study called Project Aristotle that looked at over a half century's worth of studies, as well as I think 180 teams to assess what factors would predict positive team outcomes and success. What they found was that this concept of psychological safety was the number one indicator. What that means is you can't tap in to all of the benefits of diversity if you don't have a team that supports it. This is directly related to our conversations and construction about retention. If you invite people to the table, if we are doing all of these efforts for workforce hiring, 
um, trying to make sure that we're getting underrepresented groups into our great industry doesn't mean anything if people don't feel welcome. And so in order to even step the baseline that we got to think about what it takes to show them that they're welcome. And the idea of psychological safety starts immediately when somebody comes to the job site. It's giving them a tour. It's showing them where the bathrooms are. It's like all these very simple tactics that result in an orientation that allows people to know they have a place. And that's just like the first step, but such an easy way to tell people that they're part of a team. Now that you mentioned that, I'm thinking back on a whole bunch of safety orientations that I've been through. And I'm kind of ashamed to admit that not one of them ever said, where are the bathrooms? Not- it's such a simple thing. I, I know it's like super basic. Like they'll tell you like in the event of like a tornado, here's where we're going to go. But they're not going to tell me like something I'm going to do multiple times a day. It's kind of yeah. like this. So that's my, I already, you're already giving me some value. Gabriel, that's an aha. I'm stealing that right now and say, let's get this added in so that we can make people feel welcome and safe because that is super important. What's another way, you know, from your vantage point, because you're, you're like the super, the super duper, where are you engaging and setting that tone with your staff versus with uh, the trade contractors? Are you doing this in meetings? Are you doing this one-on-one? What's your, what's your go-to approach? Every single interaction I have is trying to make sure people know a few things on this project. One, I want them to be successful. Two, how their work is tying into the bigger goals of the project. Three, what other information would make them understand why I'm talking? And so this comes down to the communication of, listen, I'm telling you to move this compressor because the drywaller has a delivery in three days that's two weeks late. You know, tying together the different crews so that people start to understand as I'm talking to them that I'm representing their interests elsewhere on the project. Right. I'm making sure that they hear in how I speak, that I am here to support their success. I think it's making sure they understand what I'm going to do next. Okay. This information, I'm going to go talk to the engineer. And when I get back to you and then following through, because if I'm not delivering on the information that they need, I'm the holdup. If I'm not showing them that I'm here to make sure that they are communicating well with the inspection team and that I'm facilitating that conversation. They understand that I'm not just standing back and expecting them to do something like, like a, a manager who's not understanding how to build. My job to make sure those relationships are happening. And when I have discussions with my staff about each of our roles, it's very often in the context of the role they're playing to build that relationship. I'm going to go talk to the GS when the GS shows up for our, with, for our foundation driller. Your job is to make sure the crews you're supporting them. And so talking very much in terms of me as the leader of the field for the general contractor, I am here to provide resources, support, and information. That really contrasts some key, great leader examples, Gabri. So thank you for sharing those. I want to, if no one's told you today, Those are fantastic leadership qualities and traits that you're demonstrating. And you touched on a couple of different things, uh, one of them being trust and then that follow-up, understanding capability and people's roles and just bringing it down to like their level, their interconnection. I mean, there's like, I got my systems thinking, brain modules are like going off, my neurons are going, I'm excited, but I want to hear based on, on all that good stuff you're doing, it almost seems like it's, you're acting from a set of countermeasures for things that are challenging the industry today from your vantage point, especially thinking about your current role going from pre-con to construction, what are some of the big challenges 
facing the construction industry now. And you already mentioned the labor issue or getting people to come in, feel welcome and retained. What other things do you see? I think there still exists an overall negative perception or stereotype about our industry. Um, I have some thoughts about how we can change that. A lot of it is described with how I just feel the project needs to be managed. We have extraordinarily alarming suicide rates in our industry. And the idea of mental health is still stigmatized. People still don't want to talk about it. But I've been talking about it on my projects for five years now. I've been talking at the national level with a number of other people who are really making sure that industry is aware. And every single time I talk to my crews, like 300 people in, you know, on safety week about a different topic like mental health, the reception's incredible. People are open to talking about it and that change is happening in our industry. So we have interpersonal challenges, whether that's the stigma around mental health and the alarming statistics, it's the perception of the industry as inflexible, old school, dirty, all these stereotypes tie to the risk factors that are cited for mental health. And so what is cited for the suicide risk statistics are long work hours, production driven, hard on our bodies. These are facts, not risk factors, in my opinion. How we manage the facts of our job through every technical responsibility is what triggers the risk factors and the bad perceptions. For example, sure. People are isolated from their families when we choose to send them away for a different project. People are, are short on sleep when we work them night shift and day shift without a consistent schedule. People have opioid abuse problems because we worked them too hard or didn't take care of them. How we schedule, how we staff our project is all interrelated to the perception and the health of our people. Absolutely. Those are very interconnected and Man, you're taking this to a whole nother level that I didn't even think we'd go to. So I'm, I'm very- Rabbit hole, let's do it. Yeah, no, I, I, I love these rabbit holes and you've got, you're, you're touching on a lot of different things. And I think to reiterate back on the countermeasures you're taking in your philosophy, like it's super clear to me that the status quo is unacceptable and you're taking the responsibility from your role and what you can change and you're changing it. So you're definitely among the change makers is why you're on the podcast. Duh. <laughs> right. But, you know, with, with all of that communicating and the different ways you're doing it with using technology to your advantage, you know, what strategies are you using to help bridge the gap between people on the front line all the way through engineering designers and the owner? And, and I know that owners, especially in the projects that you're involved in, can sometimes have hundreds and hundreds of stakeholders. Like, what's your go-to to communicate across different, uh, I imagine that you don't keep the same exact approach depending on the audience. What could you share from your experience? Sure, so I have had the pleasure of working on many kind of integrated delivery projects. And so whether it's GCCM or uh, design build, right now I'm on an integrated design build project up here in Washington, which is as close as we can get to like a fully integrated approach with how the laws work up here. But I've also worked on, you know, design bid build. You can have a very similar culture on both projects if the parties are willing to have conversations. The way you engage people in conversations is most effective, I've found, when you're using visualization. And so you can change the level of information. You can change how accurate the information is. 
depending on which audience you're talking to. But to be able to represent something visually, not to point to a Gantt chart, but to point to a plan on the wall with colors that mean something to people has been really successful at every level of communication. Now, what's really cool is I've been trying to learn new strategies to implement that. And so when you're taking something like a 3D model or you're trying to apply 4D scheduling or you're turning your site utilization plans into SketchUp, we still need to demonstrate scheduling. And so the ideas of SIPs tax planning come into play where you can, again, visually represent that flow because flow of a crew is valuable to the trade partner. The flow of information is important to the owner. And so when they can see, even if it doesn't make sense to them, that something is flowing towards the same goal, there's that built sense of trust and an understanding of the work that's taking place. It really is important as you present information to understand how your audience will receive it. Um, that's, that sounds pretty simplistic, but even this morning with my field engineers, we were having a discussion about how our dirt work crew works in tents and all of the drawings that we put together and in the design documents are in fractions, right? And they're, they're just reporting in inches, but not in tents. And so the translation that needs to happen numerically in this case is exactly the same as the translation that needs to happen when I'm talking to Alaska Airlines at a meeting or I'm then going out to my drywaller and making sure they understand what has to happen in the TI space. Yeah, that's brilliant. And you're demonstrating a very high uh, self-awareness and emotional intelligence that uh, communication style you're bringing. It's like, ooh, that's, uh makes me want to get back out there. And <laughs> I remember, and I, I've been that uh, young project engineer that uh, misrepresented uh, civil drawings in the wrong types of scale. So that's, uh, it's hitting some old wounds that I, so old lessons. Happens to all of us. <laughs> I feel like in engineering school, they never taught that, but maybe it's, a, I went electrical engineering, maybe in civil engineering, they know. I that. was civil. I was civil. I knew nothing about construction. When I was an intern at a federal prison in the middle of nowhere, North Carolina, I had an operator with one arm and one eye who yelled at me about temps on a stake, on a cut stake I was laying out. I had no idea what he was talking about. He's like, what's it in temps? I'm like, what's a temp? Like, I had never thought like that before. Somewhere, now they teach it to my third grader. So yeah. Somewhere over in my bookcase, I have a ruler that's in temps, but it's like so buried behind like 17 other tape measures that I don't even use it because it's not, unless you're using that type of equipment and those types of scales, it doesn't mean anything to you. So People, feel free to rabbit hole on your own after watching this show. And there's a lot of good that you're doing. I think that we're definitely starting to see some signals for change. And I want to hear from, from what you're seeing. How do you think the changes that you're observing in the industry are changing the industry in the short term and then a little bit longer? And you can decide what scale, since you know we're just talking about scales, what scale of time you want to use? You mentioned earlier that we you know a lot of the same people, right? We're interacting in similar social circles on the internet. We've seen in those different groups the trending for conversation that is taking, whether it's lean, whether it's scrum, whether it's no specific branded tactic, but talking about people in a very different way. Like that's always been the goal of something of a system like lean, right? to make sure that people are working in a way that is 
efficient, but also communicating to make it more efficient, right? Continuous improvement that relies on the input of people. We're starting to change as an industry. And I, I really think that this was propelled during COVID. We started to recognize that we can no longer hold the line between the personal professional lives of our people. It was always the question like, well, what is my responsibility as an organization? Leave it at the gate. We very quickly realized that even our operators have kids home from school. We very quickly realized as the mental health statistics started coming out that, gosh, we need to let people get to the doctor and we need to make that okay. The conversation is changing to support more of what our people need. It's recognizing that if they're distracted by divorce at home, there's a higher risk of their physical injury at work. And so I think we've started to allow ourselves to think more about our people as people and to think more about how we can change the conversation to keep them engaged, to keep them safe, and to meet all of the things we've been trying to say with like, how are you going to achieve innovation? How are you going to get faster and better? Um, you do it by engaging your people in any way. Oh my God. That, with that in your mind and that response, what would you title this show? Well, oh. I like to make my guests work. Yeah, no, this, this, this is work. Let me think. The opportunity and responsibility we have as managers in construction. All right. I love that. Editors take note. <laughs> Gabriel's giving Wait, you. Wait, tell your editors. Yeah. Editors take note. Just giving you a gift. <laughs> Gabriel, you've been recognized for your work in promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion and health-related building strategies like psychological safety and bringing awareness and suicide to people both in the professional and in the skilled trades, which I consider also professional. How do you see the role of DEI changing the industry on a go-forward basis? I think it's the same conversation about how do we create an environment that supports our people. Um, what is that quote? It's like a rising tide raises all ships. That's exactly the quote. Good job. Right. Good, good, good. We're not trying to change the values, the positive values of our culture as an industry. Those positive industry cultures include pride of work, apprenticeship and training, the value of passing on information, and our desire to serve our communities and support the people that we love. Those will always be our values. Those can remain our values no matter who's in our industry. When people respond in, in frustration about like, what are we doing now with DEI? I think they're thinking those values will change. They won't. Because if we make the conversation more open to what people need to preserve their mental health, to make sure they're more productive, to be more successful, to have a place on their own teams, we're improving that for everybody. We just need to start recognizing that as leaders, as um, managers, that we have an obligation to learn more about the issues that are impacting our people, each of our people, which may be very different for a five foot half inch woman in leadership in the field compared to my Hispanic operator who has a very different family structure than my own. It's okay to treat people differently. And I think we're learning that slowly as an industry. That's amazing. Gabriel. it's been my honor and my pleasure having you on the show. 
Um, before we wrap this up, and I know you've got to go, I want to respect your time. What advice would you give to somebody who's just getting started with construction or lean construction? And what do you think are the most important qualities that they should work on developing in themselves? Every single person in our industry has so much power in every interaction that they have. Like I said, when we're talking about psychological safety, when we're talking about culture building, when we're talking about defending mental health or supporting diversity and inclusion, we do that through, we have to do that through every single technical responsibility that we have. It's not a separate conversation. Um, you have power to do that in how you communicate your schedule. When I'm in a meeting and I have an inspector or a designer or a safety manager sitting there and I'm talking to my driller about their scope, it's my obligation to turn to them and say, do you have something to say? I'm that bridge. I can do that so easy. It's me texting my inspector after being on site till eight at night, trying to get the rest of the concrete in the hole and saying, thanks for joining our party. <laughs> right? Like it's, it's inviting people into the conversation and anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. Welcome to construction. Is there anything that you want to say that I didn't give you a chance to say? Maybe I'll tack on a little bit to what I, what I just finished saying. Everybody in this industry has a responsibility and a power to decide how we're going to impact the people that we're engaging with. We talked earlier that this is a really small industry. I'm going to see you again in some other context in five years. Somebody you introduced me to on LinkedIn, I'm going to work with in three years. I've worked coast to coast. And as you get into this industry, you start to understand that the bigger, the better relationships you build, the more strength we have as industry to put good work in place and to find that success, value, and fulfillment in what we're doing every day. Very special thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build. <laughs>